Hey, y'all. Welcome to All About the Pod podcast with the University of Georgia Peanut Team. I am Macy Wheeler, your host, bringing you real-time updates from our scientists, extension specialists, extension agents, growers, graduate students, and everyone in between. If this works. All right. So here we are. I'm the lone wolf now. My, my counterpart has left. That makes go? this work. She's at, Macy's working an intern, intern, so yeah. she's um, with Simplot. Simplot. And so We're at Tipton or? around the southeast. Yeah, so she's going to be doing some stuff with them. Simplot. So, uh, again, well, welcome. Huh? She's done for good? No, she's, she's got to finish up. Good. She's got a couple of things right and left to do, but she's almost finished. But, I mean, she's not going to be hosting the podcast anymore. No, it's, it's... Well, then I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you're it's out. It's the same, is it? It's not the same. Well, you got to deal with me now, I reckon. But so. all right, welcome to episode twenty-five. We we are that's a milestone. How about that? A milestone. Yeah. We um, today we got uh, me, Scott, Glenn Harris, Mark Abney, and have a special guest. We got a special well, guest. Yeah, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> Campaign cotton agronomist. It's a real honor to be on all about the pod, yeah. the peanut podcast. Today it's all about the pods the and bowls. Yep. Pods and bowls. There you go. Um, but no, we we uh, had a, quite a few things going on this week, and just wanted to to kind of give everybody a chance to at least hear from from our individual selves of what's what we're seeing out there. I know everybody in the state's a little different. There are some people not having any issues. Some are. Uh, we've gotten some rain the last several several days all over the state. We're wet again. Uh, for the most part, we got our first rain here in Tifton in a couple of what, four or five days, uh, if not a week or so. So that was good for us to get a little bit more rain here. I know some people have been getting somewhere in the neighborhoods of five, four or five inches collectively over the last two weeks. So um, trying to let it dry out. I know peanut planting has been wide open for the last two weeks. Uh, we are probably about maybe a little bit more than halfway through right now, and I've seen some very good stands for stuff that were planted the last two weeks of April. They're actually up and looking good. Where we have been finding some of our problems have been in the in the very end of April and the first week of May uh, planting, and there's a lot of things that's mixed up in that, uh, but we're going to get around to that here in a minute, but... Uh, Mark, Glenn, y'all got anything right this minute that y'all want to talk about? Anything going on that you're seeing? Speaking of rain, and uh, I haven't got a lot of questions early on with peanuts, but uh, Scott, you asked me yesterday, you said you got a call. And this has come up before. Uh, people say, you know, I got the time right now. Um, this is Glenn Harris, of course. Um, to put my gypsum out, can I put it out early? You know, we recommend about 35 days after planting early bloom. You know, but I just planted it and I want to plant it out. You know, I got the time to put it out early. And, you know, like a lot of things that I do, you know, you can get away with that, but you might not get away with that. Um, and the whole reason is, is the reason we want you to delay is that calcium, a portion of that calcium and gypsum is soluble and will come out. And if you put it out too early and get a big rain on a sandy ground, which let's face it, we're all sandy around here, it can actually leach right past the pegging zone. You mm. think about it, it's only got a leach three or four inches and it's past where those pods are going to be. So I, I've actually studied this as stripling one time. Uh, Glenn Hurd asked me to look at, we looked at all at planting, all at early bloom, and we actually split it. We split 500 
at planting of 500 at a um, early bloom. What did we see? Nothing. That worked. But we didn't get like this huge, you know, and, and it probably takes, you know, a, a two inch rain, three inch rain. I'm not worried about, but you start getting these five inch rains, two, two, three in a row early on, right after you put gypsum, that could be a problem. But right. and, and you're not going to see it until you dig, not, you know. I know it's not the same as you know closing the furrow you're done, but you know, uh, you know once you you're not going to see it until you get pops at the end of the year. So right, anyway, right. So it's all about the rain. How much rain you got? How much irrigation? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but you know our recommendation is to put it out at early bloom, and that that, that recommendation's there for a reason. So. I got you. I got you. We got several folks that asked that question. One because again we're getting backed up um, because of what little rain we have. A lot of people were just trying to plant. And so those first ones that they did get planted, they're wondering now, can I get back around it 45 days in order to get it done? Um, and so I can understand that. Um, but just know you, there is a risk there. Um, Mark, I've heard several folks also comment about the whole thrips control, you know, using thymate. We got a lot more people that use thymate this time, it seems like. I, I take it, it seems like. But we also got people, when you hear and talk to these, they've, they've doubled up and have either put thymed out and coming right behind as soon as they're out of the ground want to spray again. Um, yeah. You're hearing all kinds of yeah, things. Yeah, you hear all kinds of things. And there's lots of farmers, and so, you you know, people will do what they do. I don't think that's super common. But, yeah, I think the use of thymed ticked up. There's no question. I don't know what the percentage is. But, I mean, over a few years ago, the trend was going to, try to put liquid in furrow as much as you can just because it's easier and tend to be cheaper but then we get more spotted wilt and that i mean last year was enough spotted wilt push people but I mean, people are already pushing back in the other direction and as spotted wilt has increased i mean kind of consistently over the last few years they push back a lot i mean some people aren't equipped to put a granular in furrow so they're not going to do that but i think the folks who could do it a lot of them have gone back or have started to use time and yes there are People asking about mixing things. Do I can I put a liquid insecticide in furrow and put thymed in furrow? Do I put thymed in furrow and then come back it, as soon as they come out of the ground and spray? Well, you can do whatever you want, right? But there's no there's no research data. There's no data that support doing that. There's nothing. There's no benefit. You cannot. The, the, the bottom line is, is you farm from to make money, right? Camp. I mean, that's why I think you're supposed to farm trying to make money. And there's lots of things that you can do, but if it doesn't returning on your investment then you don't, shouldn't do it and i've not seen any return on investment from an additional insecticide on top of a thymed in furrow application and it, you know some people that say well it makes me feel better <laughs> the thing is is that that those anything else you use is not going to help you on spotted wilt anyway so as much as we talk about tomato spotted wilt virus and how you know thymed is the only insecticide that's going to control spotted wilt or can reduce spotted wilt people still will ask about spraying thrips to control spotted wilt. And sometimes they don't ask, they just say, I'm gonna spray orthene three times in the first month and so I can reduce this because the spotted wilt was bad last year. That will not work. It won't help you, right? So don't do that. You don't need to do that. Now there's, I've seen instances where we're like, man, I don't know what happened. I think I, I put thymet in furrow. I don't see any thymet burn. My peanuts are getting eat up by thrips. Spray the dang things, right? But normally, that doesn't. That's not normal, right? 
Scott's playing with the control board. Oh, uh, yeah. No, nothing's wrong. I'm just, I didn't hear anything you said for the last five minutes. <laughs> no, I'm just, just checking. Just what's the, checking. What's the pressure look like this year? I'm just curious. You know, Is my, it too early to tell? Well, I had, you know, nobody's really calling and complaining about pressure, but I think part of it is we're just now getting to the, the first peanuts that were planted are probably 21 days after plant now or somewhere in that range. And we see the most injury at 28 days after planting. You plant them, if you want to see them when they look the worst they're going to look, look at them at 28 days. And uh, we're getting into that range now where a lot of these peanuts over the next couple of weeks are going to get to that, and then we're going to know. I, in my own plots, they're probably, I think we planted them 18 days ago, the earliest ones. And they've got a good number of adult thrips. They've got a threshold level of adult thrips on them, which means that they're about to have a lot of immature thrips if they don't have an insecticide under them. Yeah. And they're going to get chewed up pretty good now. The thing is, is if you go out there and you look at, you get, say you got thymet, even if you've got imidacloprid in fur or vidate in fur, and you sample those plants and you see adult thrips, and it doesn't mean you have to spray because there's always going to be adult thrips flying in and they're not always, they're not going to just drop dead mm-hmm. because you got an insecticide there. What we're really trying to do is control that, those immatures from the eggs that are laid. So don't just, oh my God, I got a bunch of adults. I'm going to go ahead and make this foliar spray because most of the time you won't need it. The caveat is, if you didn't put anything in furrow, by God, yes. If it's 14 days after you plant them, go spray them if there's no insecticide in furrow. So. And, I, and I did talk with one grower the other day that it, they were getting close to 20-something days and not a single stitch of insecticide on them. They were yeah, just talking those. about. They were just talking about getting, no, you know, getting a chance to. And I mean, they, you could tell they were being eaten on a little bit, but but uh, it's fixing to get bad. That's what fishing. That get would bad, be the story. So. The story is you can tell at twenty days you can tell they're getting chewed on with no bad. insecticide. At twenty eight days they're going to look bad. not good at all. I mean, it would be abnormal for it to be for anything else. And don't you know, and and you may see some damage on thymate treated plants, right? Well, because yeah, yeah. they may not have taken it up yet. So yeah, well, you're, you're going to see do. some. That's right. You're going to see some adults are going to land. They're going to feed. You can see you'll see some injury from that, but typically it never gets anywhere near bad enough that we would spray them with a you know an additional foliar spray. It's just a, right, just don't need right. to do it. And you're not going to see that thymate burn on those first five or six leaves that come out anyway, right? You, you right. don't see it then. It's going to be one, the ones that come up after that. So we got a lot of talk going around about seed treatments. We got a lot of talk going around about, in this case, seed quality. And and a lot of people are wanting to blame some of the problems we're seeing now on the seed treatments, the liquid polymers. Uh, but you got to you got to step back and really understand where we just come from right one we talked a lot about last year's seed i mentioned a lot during grower meetings that i was afraid that vigor was going to be a problem and i think it's definitely a problem uh in some of this seed and where we pick up this vigor issue and even germ issue to some degree where we pick up the worst of that is again where we're looking at peanuts right now that should be up and growing they're 15, 16, 17 days old. So that means that they were planted that first week of May that during that time in which we went through those lows. And I know a lot of people say, well, it was 80s during the day. But when you averaged it out, we were barely in the 60s average. Um, It was cool. It was was very cool. Cooler than normal. And so we've got a large contingency of places in the state that had had very poor seed quality 
related just for the fact that they planted plant they did two things to them so they planted lower quality seed in poor conditions and that that by itself can cause problems now the other part that's being blamed i reckon or concerned people are concerned they're not really blaming it yet but they're concerned that uh, we're seeing a lot of skin slippage a lot of skins coming off the peanuts got a lot of balls and they think that the liquid polymer is causing that but i tell you we've seen that on a lot of different uh seed treatments not just the liquids the dry as well i've seen a little bit not quite as much but a little bit you gotta think that we got a lot more liquid on our seed this year than we had last year so it's going to be easy to point a finger but i think it's the seed quality from last year i think we dried some of these peanuts down a little bit too much uh they were not where they needed to be and so yes when they come out you shelled them we damaged them a little bit being so dry and then you put something on them and then they just started shedding their skins. Now, one thing that if you are in that situation where you're seeing a lot of skins come off, I would advise you to put some kind of fungicide in fur. That's that's the one thing that can help you because a lot of your treatment come off with the skins. And so make sure that you're putting some kind of fungicide in fur, a vellum, a proline, a bound, whatever it might be. And here's Bob, he can talk about that. Um, right on, right on time. We uh, we invited a special guest today. We yeah, thought we missed it. Yeah. So <laughs> so we were talking about seed quality right now, and this this whole seeds, the skin slipping off, um, low germ, low vigor, getting some poor stands out there right now. And I think a lot of that, a lot of that is related more to seed and when we planted at the temperatures that we planted than it does anything to the seed treatments because i've seen it on the the liquid polymer trebuchet i've seen it on rancona and i've seen it some on the dry so i don't think this is a, a a total seed treatment problem this is a seed quality issue that we're working through yeah i think that it's a it's a complex yes a lot of moving parts and and one thing that what we know for sure is that there are stand problems out there. What we also know is some of the growers who've used this new polymer are finding debris in their vacuum planter that they are not used to seeing, That's which correct. is understandable. So, uh, and so when we have a stand problem and a new way of putting some doing something, this this time it's the seed treatment. It's easy to think it's cause and effect. I have a poor stand because of this new That's change. Right. We have to be very careful. Uh, we want to make sure we know what's happening, but. Uh, we want to make sure that we really truly identify what the problem is and the things that you mentioned uh, not the least of which would be something like seed quality or planting all of those things can be affected so what yeah. I'm, I'm saying the it is a complex sandy, yeah sandy growers is let's be very careful before we decide what it is and who might be responsible let's make sure we've got uh, yeah. any number of different things and, I, and I think that's i think that's coming to light that you know i think as we go forward the 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 uh, plant stands are going to get a little bit better, and that's what we're hoping for. But I did say that in those situations where we're losing a lot of skins, Bob, to go ahead and make sure you got to infer a fungicide to take care of the seedling diseases part, just in case we lost some of it. Yeah. The only problem so, with that could be is you don't really know you got a lot of skin loss until you've planted. So yeah. it's it's which comes first, the chicken or the egg? That they yeah. Sell. Well, the next fields, I might yeah, that's right. <laughs> go with. Yeah, and we are seeing some splits, too. We're seeing a little bit of splits. People are worried about that, but it's not that much. When you see splits in bag, even though it's less than 5%, it looks like it's a lot more. 
So that's something that we're dealing with also. Camp's but, over there scratching his head. He's like, skin slipping, splits? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to worry about that on, I, on I, cotton. You know, it takes me a second to catch on, but I, it, after a little while of talking about this, I'm catching on. We're not talking about any provocative things. I know, you know, yeah. you know. Well, we don't have to go. Don't even give Andrew the opportunity <laughs> to go there. Hey, come on. My mom will not be listening. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in the cotton pad? That's, <laughs> that's a good thing to go to. Yeah, Cotton, I mean, you know, kind of a similar thing. You know, it's really good, I think, to have all of us in this room together. Hey, Dr. Roberts, come on in. Um, You know, because a lot of things that are happening in peanuts are happening in cotton, too. We may be seeing something a little bit different. So, I mean, we, uh, we started planting about the same time, late April, early May. And see a few things um, that y'all are talking about. Of course, um, we may not be as impacted by um, the cool temperatures as y'all were because we're <clears throat> we're looking pretty good right now. I mean, we had good moisture in the first week of May, and um, I would say we've been really fortunate to keep getting rains uh, right. like we've gotten. I mean, every day I check the uh, weather monitoring network and kind of look at the map on where it got rain and where it didn't, and um, you know, I, I think we're in really good shape because normally at this point of the year, it's cut off, right? right and say, and right. it's dry until sometime in June. And your your seed's not as effective as ours is. Right. We're producing our seed here. You're not right. producing cottonseed here. Correct? Yeah, so so for the most part, cottonseed is produced in California, Arizona, and uh, West Texas. Okay. So if we want to see, you know, kind of what the quality is going to be like, we got to be paying really close attention to what's going on out west. And then we'll see some of that over here. Of course, there are some programs in other states looking at uh, seed quality. They test a lot of the seed lots that come into every state. And so um, that information is available. And of course, if you want um, your warm and cool germ levels or uh, if your seed uh, provider is testing for anything else like oil or visual mechanical damage or something like that on cottonseed, you you can get that fairly easily from any of your um technical reps or anything like that but um you know overall i think we're in pretty good shape right now the the reason that i asked about tomato spotted wilt pressure is me and dr roberts were talking the other day and he put out a thrips trial and there weren't any thrips and so we're not seeing a whole lot just yet but um you know that's not to say that it won't happen well, um, i know we're pushed two weeks back mm-hmm. than what we normally are now i would say the tobacco people, and I've heard of a lot of people on tomatoes that yeah. tomato spot will upwards of 30 to 40 percent already. So, um, our peanuts, I think, are just too small for us to really know yet. Um, but we are getting, but we're getting, Jeremy, so it's yeah. the pictures where it was clear. That might have been last year's picture, you know. Well, Jeremy right. listens to this, so we'll find out. Yeah, he'll, <laughs> he'll call me a little bit. Because he called and asked who my dermatologist was, if anybody happened to have listened to that. Yeah. All right, Dr. Roberts, what are you seeing out there? Yeah, we, we're letting the cotton folks have a have a chance. Come on. We, you know, we're interested because we are blended. We're 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 planting about the same time. Are y'all faring off as far as insects go? Thrips better at this point than we are. Well, really, uh, that's about the only game in town is thrips and uh, any April cotton. We had really high thrips pressure for the most part, but it really has let up here in the last, you know, 
the last cotton we planted that's up now is just not much out there in most areas. So, but that's really about the only game in town is thrips on cotton now. Got a couple uh, questions on false chinch bugs. That's kind of a sporadic thing. Just need to keep an eye on that cotton. Uh, but we have treated a few fields for that. But it's a real unusual thing. Typically in strip tillage fields, Dr. Harris knows what I'm talking about. He's, uh, but if you have, uh, Especially if you have that cut leaf evening primrose. Cut leaf evening primrose or corn spurry are two weeds that these uh, insects are associated with. And uh, you can see some really high numbers, but it takes on really high numbers to, to really to cause a problem. But it can happen. So it's, it, it can happen, but it, it's more just a curiosity. Just to be clear, Dr. Roberts is talking about cotton now. Don't, yeah. don't, <laughs> don't start calling Abby about cheeseburgers. They don't matter on yeah. peanuts. You know, Abney, one thing I did get, again, I hear all kind of questions as much as I've been out this week, but we were we were in there and the girl goes, well, you know, I was in my strip till peanuts and my God, you could see those burr bugs going everywhere. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, where, where are you at? Where are you at on that? Why are we not really concerned yet? Well, yeah, so you see a lot of a species called a white line burrower bug this time of year and I get almost every year two or three people send me pictures of just gobs of these things. Yeah. They are a burrower bug, but it's not the it's not the peanut burrower bug. So we're not concerned about them. They as far as they may be a pest of something, but they're not a pest of peanut. And so, right, but right. we do see a lot of them, especially when people are either burning down uh, winter weeds or getting their fields ready. They're out there on those weeds, and you see a lot of nymphs and adults sometimes. And it, I mean, I understand why people get concerned because it, they're it's everywhere. A bug yeah, they're everywhere. Them, but. They, they tend to disappear within a month or so. May, we see them in May, and you don't see them much anymore at all. And there's been work done on them, and we just don't see them in peanut fields when there's pods. So yeah. as far as we're concerned, it's a non-issue for peanuts. Describe the difference between the peanut burrow bug and this pipeline burrow bug, just so there's no confusion. Yeah, well, I can do it on here, and there may still be some confusion, but if you look at a white line burrow bug, they're both little black bugs. But the white line burrow bug has a white line around the edge of its body. Come it's on. pretty simple. Really? Yes. Like, Are yes, you serious? I'm just blue campaign. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might have gone to. He Auburn. might have left. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at any rate, yes, they have a white line. Calm down, boy. Calm oh, down. Uh -huh. And there, I mean, there are other differences. The, the peanut burrow bug's legs are, are spinier, and, and they're they're not as shiny black as the white line burrow bug. But the the most obvious difference is the white line. Mm. The camp is speechless. Well, what about <laughs> the immatures? That's a good point. The immatures, you can tell the difference. They, if you didn't, if you could, if you're colorblind, you might not be able to see the difference. But the uh, the white line burrow bug has red on its back when it's an immature. Mm. Like really, as red as Scott's shirt that you can all see on the bottom. Yeah, all see it. You see it? Yep, and, uh, you see it. Is, uh, red as a ladybug. And, Gotta get it. Uh, the peanut burrow bug is going to be like a creamy, say a creamy white kind of color. I gotcha. But they're still mostly brown or black, but they'll have a red spot on their back if they're white lines, and they'll have a kind of a creamy white sort of spot if they're Good deal. The peanut burrow bug. That's a good question because people do get concerned about that. And there, there are quite a few running around. Yes. I mean, yes, it's easy always, to see. Every year there's a good number of those. But. So, um, Philip and Ken, I put y'all on the spot a little bit. A um, lot of talk about the Thrive On with thrips. Mm -hmm. How does that how does that play a role with us here in Georgia? Is it something that's going to be good for us? Is it going to be worth the effort? What is it? And then somebody else goes, "Why is that not on peanut?" <laughs> 
Well, thrombone isn't a new technology. It's a transgenic technology. and has activity on thrips and plant bugs. And uh, specifically on thrips, it's just a... Uh, it's just excellent in terms of protecting cotton. Makes you feel bad, it, right? You know, uh, Dr. Hand planted some border rows <laughs> with Thrive on, you know, and it's some real early planted cotton. And we sprayed, I think he sprayed that cotton twice, twice camp. Twice. But, but uh, it's incredible how wow. it protects cotton. It's near perfect. And uh, we've got a lot to learn as it gets on more acres, but we're pretty confident that uh, we're not going to have to ever treat this technology at least in the near term i mean that's a, a bold statement but it's true um in terms of what it means to a grower uh you know there's there's a lot to consider there uh we do know when we have thrips pressure the ideal time is to be in there with a foliar spray at the first true leaf and we also know that our heaviest thrips pressure is going to be on our first April cotton and early May cotton. When we need to be spraying a one-leaf thrip spray, guess what? We're still planting cotton. We're still planting That's peanuts. Right. That's right. So there's a lot of logistical value um, because in reality, a, a lot of our thrip sprays that we make, we're waiting to add them with a the herbicide. Well, we missed the boat, uh, which is interesting. But uh, it's going to have different uh, value to different growers. Um, but uh, I think... And, and Dr. Hand can speak to this, but you know, until it's in the genetics, the right genetics, our, our prime varieties. I mean, we 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 don't get paid on having good thrips control. That's we right. You get paid on limb. yield, yield uh, times price. Bold. That's right. I need bold. But, but it's a it, it's great technology. You should try to uh, you know take a look if you got buddies or something that had planted a few bags. But it, it, it's really incredible. But, and so, I would say, go ahead. I would say, is there, are there enough plant bugs in Georgia for anybody to get a benefit from it? Well, that's one of the things we're trying to understand. Our, our primary objective this year is, is trying to understand what it means for plant bugs. Plant bugs are an occasional pest. We treat a few, you know. You're talking about tarnished plant bugs for others, too? Just tarnished Just tarnished plant bugs. Uh, okay. so there are others. There so are others. Got... only works on tarnished plant bugs. Well, that's okay. Yeah, but, okay. Uh, while okay. we're talking about weight lines and stuff, we might. But that's what we got to figure out. Um, I mean, uh, you know, some guys may look at the plant bug component as just a, a little bit of insurance. But again, it, right. it's got a cost associated with that. I mean, I hate to say it, but we don't scout all our acres like we should. So Welcome we, to my world. So those, there you go. <laughs> those folks who aren't really checking their cotton, you know, there may be a little value for them there. But plant bugs are just an occasional pest. That's not the driver of why we yeah. need it. Yeah. yeah, you know, when I look at grits, we probably it's got value on maybe the first twenty five percent of our acres. Cotton planted for May tenth. You know, right, like right. What percentage planted are we on both crops right now? So we're sitting a little over half. I'd say by the end of this week we'll probably be about the same. And so the question Which is, is, is how? Uh, yeah, know. yeah. I mean, we were a little bit behind there early, and I think some of the cool temperatures yeah. kind of slowed things down for us. But um, really, last week we we caught up in yeah. a hurry. And it, I mean, it depends on how, where we stop, right? Yeah, <laughs> we're looking going. I mean, it's estimated that we're going to seven fifty. I don't know how many of y'all come down. Yeah, we're still, uh, we're, we only came down about 75,000. So, so, I mean, so we're we, still we may not get million. there, so that'd be good. That'd yeah. be good. Um, 
Also, I would like to say about the Thrive On, you know, Dr. Roberts did single me out, but he planted some on April 1st as well, and it makes him feel bad too. So it's not just me, uh, the agronomist, that also shows on the entomologist as well. Yeah, there you go. Well, I learned something because you said on peanuts you're going to peak probably see about 20 days after planting. 28. 28 days after planting on peanut, drips damage, but you first leaf, that's like 14 days or so after planting, isn't it? Well, there's a when you, when, when you need yeah. to spray and when it's going to look bad. Right. At 28 days, it's going to look the worst. But if you get, you should have sprayed them way before that if you were going to spray them. Yeah, so, so both of them, you're talking right. pretty early. Pretty early, yes. Yeah. It's yeah. actually not much at. different when you actually get down and look at I it. I do remember. Pa- part of it is just the biology of thrips, at least on cotton. Um, uh, thrips will start infesting cotton literally the day it starts cracking out of the ground yeah and they'll just dump eggs at least on cotton and cotton leaves and it takes about six or seven days for those eggs to hatch and when we're you know if you start doing the math we're out there about starting to push that first leaf glen and we're killing a lot of these hatching thrips and uh it just makes kind of biological sense right Uh, but but that's the time to protect the cotton uh, if we want to look at the damage, we'd probably max out and how the cotton looks, you know, 21, 28 days. Right, it's about the same. It pretty, pretty just looks a, looks a little different because yep. you got more leaves on one crop than you do other. But, yeah. um, and I was joking about the peanut thing to some degree. I mean, we always want something to help us with the virus. And anything we can do to, to do that with managing thrips, the better we are. But that is a transgenic type approach, mm-hmm. and we don't do that yeah, in peanut. Uh, but I will tell you, we have quite a few varieties coming that do have better tomato spider wilt resistance. And that's something that that uh, everybody should be on the lookout for. Um, no matter where you're at in the, county, in the counties throughout the state, where we grow peanuts or cotton, I think cotton the same way. We got a tremendous amount of variety trials out there. I think it is important as for the agents, the growers, to get those, you know, to get people out there and take a look yeah. at them. Yeah. You know, see how they perform because we've got in a lot of our peanut variety trials, we got a lot more of the new ones out there this time. So it'd be good to get out there if you can and take a look at them. Um, yeah, and those are on farm, and then we also have the statewide variety trial program that's right. with the university, that's right. and those are all done on the station. But they look at more varieties than we can put on the farm, right? right? And right. so, I mean, we I only have 10 varieties in our cotton trials this year. But the OVTs have somewhere in the neighborhood of 50. Right. OVTs so are in Tifton, Midville. Tifton, Plains. Midville, Plains. And then they have an on-farm location in Bainbridge as well. Really? Yeah. I didn't know they had one. For cotton, they do. Oh, for yeah. cotton. Yeah. Okay, okay. For cotton, okay. they do. I got you. And we got four to five varieties in main, most of ours on-farm mm-hmm. because it's just so hard to deal with. And we don't get enough seed to do that. Yeah. Y'all get a bag of seed and plant forever. And we yeah. we mm-hmm. get a bag and we get halfway around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Hope to get back. To <laughs> Hope you get back. Now, um, Abney, one other thing that I heard a lot of talking, me and you've already talked about it a little bit. You say they are finding some lessers in a few spots. Why is that? Well, we always find lessers in a few spots. So that's the simple answer. But it. When, in southwest Georgia in May, we typically, in a normal year, we'll start picking up lesser corn stalk borer if we're looking for it, and that's, this year is no different. Um, what happens next will be all weather dependent. If it's, if it's hot and dry, we will probably see them 
in other parts of the state if it's if we can be cool it's not supposed to be cool but i there's i guess there's differences of opinion about whether or not it's supposed to be a dry summer or a wet summer but yeah, where's Bob? I, at? I can promise you this: what I won't mean be making any predictions. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, so it it'll be whatever it'll be, and if it happens to be dry, then we're going to need to be on the lookout. Now there are probably going to be some folks. I mean, I would expect there'll be people treat in Southwest Georgia because they typically do every almost every year they have to treat some fields. Um, and most of our good consultants over there know how to find them. Well, they that's, know how to find them, and that's they, part of they it. do they that. They know how to find them, but we've got uh, there's a grad student who's got a project. She's got over 100 pheromone traps out in peanut fields all over the state. Uh, they're just now putting them out. I don't know how many they got out now, 20 or 30 now, I guess, but they'll be monitoring moths across the state. And uh, we'll have an, a really good idea, a better idea than normal of what the distribution is early, I think. Uh, but, yeah, we just need to be scouting, right? Dr. Roberts mentioned that not all the cotton acres are scouted, and that holds true for peanuts. I think we're about 50 or 60% of the acres are scouted, at least that's what we were, that's what's reported. Um, I mean, you got to walk the field. You need to go out there and take a look. You know, we do have people who say, "Well, I, we talked about lesser corn stalk board today, so by God, I'm going to spray something for lesser corn stalk boards." Well, no, you don't need to do that, right? You just spray them if they're there. But if you don't have them, you don't need to treat for them, and they're not that hard to find. I mean, it's the tree. It's the hardest pest for us to find, right? It's the trickiest one to scout for, but we can find them. And, and if you're in other parts of the state and you're worried about it, you're you're going to hear from if you pay attention to your county agent, listen to this podcast. You know you'll you'll know if if they get bad, and you'll know get out there and look. If you don't have a scout, now's the time to go look, kind of thing. You're going to know that before it gets bad. So and we just don't need to go out there and start treating for the. We just don't need to go no, throwing stuff out there that. because they might be there. That's a, there's a it's just cost too much. We're very fortunate that we have products that work very well for for less corn board. They're actually easy to put out and don't cause secondary pest explosions, right? But we don't need to use them unless we need to use them, and so you know, there's different strategies for that. But in my opinion, we don't need to use them if we don't have to fit. All right, any update on the Syngenta product coming out? Uh, I wish I had. I mean, yeah. So he, Scott's talking about uh, a product that has good efficacy in our trials on uh, the rootworm complex, and the last I hear is that we will not have it before 2025. Okay. Uh, I mean, that's moving target. That's the last thing I've been told. Okay. That's good to know. I mean, a lot of people in the red ground areas, uh, they're, some of those folks quit planting peanuts because yes. it was so bad. Yes. So it's, uh, it's bad. I've gotten several calls. I've had several meetings and gotten several calls recently with growers and wanting to know what they can do, and there's just not much you can do with the tools that we have right now. And it's, uh, I mean, to know that there's one on the shelf, and I don't know why the, the registration keeps getting pushed back, but it's really frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> it means a lot to some people to get something. It means a lot to me to manage it. Yeah, so it's not my fault, people. If you if you're listening, that's, I'm doing everything <laughs> I can do, which ain't much. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Not much, but um, all right. What the other kind of to end the episode again? Um, we are just halfway through. We are starting to, you know, get really ramped up on planning again. We're making phone. I mean, field calls now. Uh, on some seed quality issues if you growers hey if you got lots of seed or different lots of seed save some and put it in your office because every time we go out to the field so far at least everyone i have so far when we get out there I, first thing i ask you know do you have any seed left over so that we can test them 
And if you don't, we don't know where we're at. We're trying to figure out, like we mentioned earlier, are we having a problem with the liquid polymers? Is it sea quality? Is it weather? Which I think it, you know, the weather and sea quality is the biggest part of this. But we don't know that unless we can start checking some boxes off. So save some seed out of those lots and put in your in your office. If they come up in good stands, throw them away or plant them. Well, Whatever. If it, it, you know, another thing is keep good records, right? Keep good I mean, records, yep. Write down the variety, the lot number, where, it was know, planted. That, where yep. you planted it, the day it was planted, kind of what happened in seven to ten days after that and before that. You know, I mean, it's just good to have records of all that kind of stuff because if something like that comes up, you, you need to know that that information. And I don't know about you guys, but we've been on calling the cotton side, but we have this poor stand issue. We've been getting anywhere from two and a half to six plants up. And we got a lot of growers that are bumping seeding rates up to try to get six plants. We are not trying to get six plants up. We just need four good uniform plants. Now, if you plant and you get three, three and a half up more uniform, guess what? We're not going to tell you to replant those most of the time. Because the later we get, the more you're not going to get anything from that. And, and Lord knows if you got three and a half to four plants per foot, we don't want to start over completely. I had that conversation with somebody earlier that, oh, I just want to take it up. Now, he had four plants per foot, four and a half plants per foot. And that's okay, a, got, that's that's a perfect stand. Yeah, I got that. That's a perfect stand. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and again, we are building around people. When they, when they buy seed, they plant eight seed per foot. They want to at least get 80% of them up. And that's not what we're getting up. And so I understand the concern, but when it comes down to it, it has to be 75% germ or better by the state's um, – law or whatever but we're just trying to get a good uniform plant stand and if you think you need to replant or or whatever call us call the agent and let us come out and take a look i gotta go look at some today so we're more than happy to take a look at that and i don't know on how yeah. much y'all, y'all are seeing that same fluctuation yeah you know the, the hard part is whenever we have a conversation about seed quality and cotton you know cotton seed ain't cheap Right. I mean, that's a big investment. It It costs about a hundred dollars an acre just to put the crop in the ground, you know? And so, um, of course, you know, the bag says 80% germ, but you, whenever you spend that amount of money, you want a hundred percent and every seed you put in the ground, you want all of them to come up. Right. And so, um, that's the hard part. But even in some of my trials where we've planted some poor quality seed, um, you know, the stand is acceptable. And so it's even hard to, you know, go down that rabbit hole of like, hey, if you put, you know, two seed to the foot and one comes up and it's uniform, yeah. then, you know, still okay. you're, you're still fine. Our, you know? our so, situation where we get in a real habit, I mean, a real bad situation where I can't <clears throat> predict what's going to happen is planting early, yeah. cool, wet conditions, yeah. and you get three plants per foot yeah. with some skips, and you ask, do I need to keep them? And... We get, you know, and we keep them, then we get virus on them. Yeah. That's something I can't tell. If you get virus, yeah, you're going to have a, a yield reduction. Mm-hmm. If we don't get a lot of virus, guess what? There's not that much yield reduction. Yeah. Um, Cotton compensates a lot better. You know, yeah. yeah. It situation. just fills space. I mean, yeah. it really, it's really an amazing plan. Really, <laughs> seriously. There you go. Not the word of battle. Yeah. But um, it's a great rotation crop. It's <laughs> a great rotation crop. If it wasn't for peanuts, some would say the same about peanuts. Yeah. They, they are. are. They are. They are. They are. How many times? How many times have you heard? I've got to have my peanuts to pay the infrastructure for my cotton. You know, I mean, that's what I hear all the time. No, I'm just joking. But they are both great for us, and so we want to keep them around. Um, well, 
How honored do you feel, Dr. Roberts, to be in such an esteemed group of peanut people? Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you again for um, being a part of the episode 25, the first dual episode where we have cotton and peanut folks, but we're glad to have them. Again, I just think it's good to hear what's going on in both because we're dealing with both. So I'm glad uh, Dr. Roberts and Dr. Hand come in here and um, participated and we will get this up as soon as possible and hopefully if you have any questions keep keep forwarding them to the agents and uh, we'll talk about them on the ne- next episode <laughs>